You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, our friends at Sportiva. We have a new sponsor this summer. Our friend Luke Mihal, the purveyor of the climbing zine, has got a new book out, American Climber. If you're wondering if soul climbers were a thing of the past, you need to read American Climber, the story of Luke's journey from Midwest kid to Western desert dirtbag. Find it at Amazon.com or at ClimbingZine.com. That's American Climber by Luke Mihal, available in Kindle and paperback. But you know what? Just buy the damn book, the paperback, so you can hold it, feel it, and maybe you can get Luke to sign it someday if you see him out in Indian Creek. And a couple uh, little notes about today's show. It's a live the Norma Cast from Bonfire Coffee during the Five Point Film Festival. We did a listener mail with guests Cedar Wright, Lisey Hendricks, and Jen Altschul. And as usual, I screwed the sound up a little bit. My voice, for some reason, sounds like it's coming from far away and above. Well, I know what happened. I left some a little bit of reverb and slap back on it from a previous show, from some vocals or previous gig. Anyway, so if it helps if you just imagine that I'm sitting above everyone on a throne that's made out of melted down pitons and the aluminum from all the various nuts you've left behind when you've bailed. And there's the stems of double axle camelots from the 1980s poking out of it all around. It'll help if you just think of it that way. Okay, let's get to it. Episode 106, live from Bonfire Coffee, 2016. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing it at? Are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, yeah, it's big place. Right. That's, that's, that's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll say, you really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed having with you. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Cast live at Bonfire Coffee. I gave my uh, sound guy the day off. Welcome, everybody, and uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Those of you in the establishment that we're trying to conduct business today, um, sorry about this. Sorry about this uh, interruption. Uh, maybe you should go ahead and rent an office here in town, but uh, good luck with that. What we're getting into, for those of you who don't know what's going on back here, is I do a climbing podcast called the Enormal Cast. Uh, I've been doing it for four years, almost five, or four and a half, or coming up on five, I don't know. Lost track, 102 episodes out there right now, which I think I can't believe. Uh, my friends who were around when I started this can't believe um, that it's lasted this long and, and took this much time. So here we are again, back at uh, Five Point. Welcome to Carbondale. You picked a wonderful time to be here. Um, you front rangers have had it tough the last few days wallowing around in the snow. Well, we've been pretty much fine up here in the mountains, so which is a strange twist of fate for you guys. Um, this is episode 106. I'll edit that in later when I figure out when it's going to happen. 
My name is Chris Kalous. I am your host. On today's show, we've got a panel of people, and we're going to tackle listener mail, which is something I've done in the past, but I haven't done in a long time, actually. And they're super fun episodes, uh, and one of the sort of things I've noticed with some of the live episodes is we don't get into the depth with the uh, with the guests, which is, I think, the meat and potatoes of the Enormacast. So I thought, well, let's try a... a kind of a different format for the live one and see what we can do. Um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my guests for you guys. And uh, again, welcome to the people from out of state, you know. And um, by the time this is over, the dispensaries will probably be open. So uh, you can go ahead and get on that train here in Colorado, um, unless you're from one of those other enlightened states here in the, in the Union, one of the couple other ones, but um, yeah, there's like one that direction, one that direction, there's one that direction. Just walk, and uh, within about 10 minutes, you'll run into a dispensary, so you'll be fine. Okay, go, let's start with Cedar. On my left, our first guest, or one of the guests I'm going to introduce here is Cedar Wright. Cedar was actually on, uh, I think, episode 15, if I'm going to dig into my memory, which would have been almost four years ago that you came on. Um, in the beginning of the EnormaCast, I had to sort of beg, beg people, uh, you know, hey, I'm doing this podcast. Oh, a podcast is this thing that's on the internet. Uh, yeah, you get it off of iTunes. Yeah, anyway, um, can you come on and help me out? And that's the way the first, I think, 20-some went. And uh, Cedar was nice enough to come on the show. So welcome, Cedar. Welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be here. It kind of put a little, uh, you know, hiccup in my career actually coming on the normal cast. Oh, really? Like, like in a good way or a bad way? No, it was kind of, kind of negative. Um, so I'm a little, I'm a little timid. People are like, the internet. What are you doing on the internet? The internet's going nowhere. Okay. Uh, next guest over is uh, a woman I just met yesterday. Um, although she came highly recommended for the podcast. Oh wait, Cedar, how long have you been climbing? Uh, I've been climbing for about uh, 23 years. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to try to establish that the panel has some sort of authority to talk about uh, the listeners' problems. Okay. So anyway, I met this woman just yesterday, although she's come highly recommended, is very involved in Five Point. Her name is a name that I can identify with because my last name, no one ever pronounces the right way the first time. And uh, I don't know, I was probably in kindergarten when I realized I was going to have this this life of correcting teachers and other people about callous or Klaus or whatever. It's Kalous, you know, say it with pleasure. So here we have Lisi Hendricks, although, have you had this problem? Oh man, my whole life. It's, uh, it's been pretty terrible. I get called all sorts of things. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. And unlike Cedar, I am really hoping that my career will take off from being on the Enormal cast. So the Enormal bump is famous. Yeah, yeah. that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's totally famous. It's produced children. You know, the greatest ascents of all time. I mean, Colin Haley owes his entire Patagonia season to me uh, last season. So he he's not aware of it. But he, after being on the Enormal cast, he went down there and he crushed. And I mean, what what was the difference between the year before and that year? Nothing besides he'd come on the normal cast. So, moving on. Oh, how long have you been climbing? Uh, twelve years. And and sort of what we 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 kind of know what kind of climber Cedar is because he's famous. What kind of climber are you? Uh, all arounder. I boulder, sport climb, track climb, 
I just like climbing. And you live out in Vegas? Yep, live in Las Vegas. Okay. And uh, moving on to uh, the third guest, um, Jen Altschul. You did good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> One of those German names that has to come from back here. Jen works for uh, Duct Tape Then Beer, which is uh, where the Dirtbag Diaries initiate from. And though I've, I've sort of kept this joking rivalry going, because when I started this climbing podcast, it was uh, us and them. Although they are, they have a much better business plan and idea in that they encompass all sorts of outdoor sports, um, including very popular things like skiing um, and hiking and and and. Uh, well, I'm specifically climbing, and I'm not just specifically climbing. I'm like nerdy, very very climbing. You know, like if someone's heard of climbing, they might listen to an episode and not have any idea what we're talking about. So. You know, very, very narrow audience, Dirtbag Diaries, very wide audience, which is why they crush me on uh, iTunes. They actually make, they make money, don't they? And they make money. Huh. And they have a staff, they have interns, all sorts of things. So, but as I've said before, Fitz Cajal, the guy who started the thing, he very much uh, helped me out in the beginning. And so the rivalry is very much a joke. I admire these guys. And I love the crossover. I'm so glad that you're here because you do, in fact, tackle some of the climbing angles, I think, as much as anybody over there. Do you not? Uh, I, I do that. And, uh, you know, it's nice to publicly bridge the gap. The gap. The angry gap. The angry gap between yeah. the Dirtbag Diaries and the Enormacast. <laughs> well... <laughs> does, does, does any, do, you guys, do you guys ever talk about it up there? Like have meetings about like this, you know, this guy that's creeping up on you or anything like Weekly. that? Weekly. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been climbing? Uh, 16 years. Wow. And where would you put yourself in the climbing world? A little bit of everything. I sport climb better than I do anything else. Okay. Awesome. And a little bit of everything. And you guys, you're from Oregon? From Oregon, live in Seattle now. Oh, that's right. It's in Seattle. Mm -hmm. I lumped that whole area together. It's okay. It's another weed state, though. It is another weed state. Okay, so um, I'm going to do a quick shout-out, and then we'll get into the mail. So this is actually a listener mail, but um, on the very first listener mail, I'll get a little feedback. Check, check, check. I will live with it for now. Okay, so um, let me jump right into it. Do you remember responding to Jilly? I think that's how we went back and forth on how to pronounce it. Anyway, from listener mail number one. Okay, this was four years ago. And I just got this yesterday. The young woman who had been broken up with, because, but it was okay because she said she had more time to listen to the enormous cast. Yeah, she seriously, that's what she said. So she was like, I'm fine with it. She drove all the way to where the guy was going to school. To be broken up with. Have you guys ever done that? There's like this weird thing about, oh, don't break up with me over the phone. Sometimes it's fine. Or a text or an email, right? That happened to me in college. I drove eight hours to Durango from Fort Collins to be broken up with. It's awesome. Anyway, you know who you are, listener. Strangely, my best comedy partner started dating Gilly a little while back, and now we are great friends. This is an example of how the Normacast brings people together. However, Max, Gilly's new boyfriend, just started working as an arborist in a series of extremely unfortunate events that I'm not actually very clear on myself. Max fell 35 feet out of a tree onto a chainsaw. 
Max. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> he is okay, miraculously, but pretty banged up, broke a lot of ribs, C2, however, not paralyzed. Way to go, Max. Um, doing pretty good. Anyway, I just wanted to give a shout-out to, to Gilly, first listener male uh, victim. I think it might have even been the first one I ever read. Um, embarrassing her, probably. And uh, to Max, who is recovering after his incident with a chainsaw. <laughs> Get well, Max. Yeah. Okay. Be careful out there. We're going to go to um, a little series of questions. Okay, I'm going to kind of... Sometimes I have to sort of edit parts of what I read, so I've, I've tried to do that. Because um, I don't want to sort of give it all away. Because uh, there'll be people like, I know who that is. Um, and some of it's a little bit sensitive. Um, I'm a fit, reasonably attractive 26-year-old girl woman. She says, I'm in my mid-20s and confused about that. My boyfriend of five years is a non-climber. Okay, I don't mind that he doesn't climb because we share other outdoor passions. Okay, that's a pretty common setup. Anyway, whilst find, finding climbing partners, I make it explicit that I have zero desire to date my partners. Okay, so Bummer. You kind of know where this is going, but it's a little twist on it. The past summer, I thought I'd struck partner gold when I took an alpine climbing course. At the end of the course, the guide and I made plans to go on a long weekend climbing trip to, in late October. He's like 50. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But And things were obviously completely platonic. Finally, a partner who really inspired me to push my limits. Or so I naively thought. Apparently, his on-again, off-again girlfriend and him were having a tip when the trip was planned. Now they're on again, and he completely bailed on the trip yesterday because his GF forbade him from going with me out of jealousy and suspicion. Fair enough. As if I'm some sort of climbing siren seductress instead of a normal person in a committed relationship who just wants to climb caps. Okay. This also happened to me with a coworker who said, quote, my wife won't be cool with me climbing with some 20-something girl. Anyway, I figured I could add this story to your logs of these wolves of male-female climbing partnerships. So the question in here is twofold. A, is it possible to climb with a new partner of the opposite sex from your life partner or wife in your case. You guys aren't married, are you? No. 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 And if so, how can you sort of, you know, this is a bad pun or bad make the bed for setting up this uh, setting up this relationship to not make your partner, your life partner jealous. Would anyone like to start? I mean, that's, I mean, it's a tough one. Um, I'm, I kind of, like, I get this undertone that this girl's probably really hot. And um, reasonably attractive. Yeah, and um, you know, so that's kind of tough. You know, you de- you 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 don't want your significant other other going out with some, you know, in my case, like hot strapping dude who climbs harder than me. You know, uh, even if it is just a climbing partnership. I mean, you know, all relationships start with friendship. I think that, too, the, the other thing that seems to happen in these situations is the one person that wants to climb with the other person, they they want to lay the trust card, which is like, don't you trust me? Right? And, and does that work? It doesn't seem to work that well, actually. I don't think so. I think it's way easier for women to be in a 
platonic climbing relationship than it is for guys to be in the reverse. Especially, I mean, in this case, the 50-year-old guy, like, that makes perfect sense that his girlfriend would not want him climbing with a hot 26-year-old. Okay. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that that would be uncomfortable. In some ways, I think, I think it, like, it, it seems like, okay, it's all, I mean, she, see, I think, was thinking the opposite, right? Like, okay, look, I'm 26, good looking, this guy's 50, like, really? Are we really going to start up some sort of fling? Uh, but, but you're saying from the woman's standpoint, like, oh, we've got this young gal, like, yeah, okay. yeah. This harlot just trying to <laughs> steal my steal my strapping 50-year-old man. You know, I'd just like to point out that women climb, too. Like, that's maybe another option in this situation if you want to platonically climb. Yeah, that is a novel concept. Right? I'm another, <laughs> I'm another woman. And then have a lesbian relationship and leave your boyfriend for a woman. The threats are everywhere, huh? It is. <laughs> It's just nothing is safe. Well, I think I think like this doesn't just live with climbing because I think it's probably if you're in a really committed relationship, it's probably difficult no matter what to introduce a new person, a new friend for any activity from the opposite sex. Like, you know, if you came home from work and said, "Yeah, hey, this weekend I'm gonna go to the movies with this person I met at work," like. No relationship can survive that, I don't think, or at least isn't going to have like a bump in the road in terms of that. And yeah, but I don't know. I think like going to a movie with some new person of the opposite sex you've met is maybe different than like going and getting a couple pitches in. This is true. Yeah, it's not a good example. <laughs> it, it, I mean, actually, to you know, from experience, um, you know, being married to a really good climber. Um, who climbs, you know, with uh, men all the time. Um, some who do climb harder than me and are more handsome than How me. How is that even possible? I know. I just, <laughs> there's, a, there's a small few. Um, you know, I, uh, I mostly trust her not to, you know, be having sex with dudes on ledges when she goes out to Indian Creek. And, uh, you know, I, I know that she's loves climbing and wants to get out there and get after it. And, uh, you know, I was just actually in... Uh, Australia about a year and a half ago with um, Hazel Finley, um, and we climbed for a month together there. And uh, yeah, so I mean, we don't, we trust each other. We both climb with the opposite sex. I mean, it's actually not that big a deal. All kidding aside, if you really trust your partner, then you should be able to let them go out and climb with someone from the opposite sex. But probably, you know, a lot of this is that maybe this extremely hot 26 year old girl has like a little wandering eye. And, you know, so we're, you know, it, that has to be built on trust, right. like, you know, that you actually really trust that person. But you're a climber, so you understand your wife's desire to climb. And these other people involved in the relationship, they aren't climbers and they may not relate to that experience or understand why you would want to spend time with somebody else of the opposite sex doing that, you know? Totally. That is, yeah, that is fair. I mean, people don't, they, people underestimate like how cracked out and obsessed we are on climbing. And, you know, that we, a lot of times you actually made, may not even like register that this person, you know, may, may or may not want to have sex with you. You just want to go rock climbing. Um, that's true. Yeah. Well, and, and on that too, at least, is that I, I think it's hard for me to remember. I'm 45 now, you know, I'm committed to relationship, just had the normal baby. And, uh, I need a normal baby. And, uh, <laughs> 
poor baby. You know, so it's, it's also hard for me to remember that, like, if you're sort of in your 20s and, and you know, with a good shoulder on both sides of that, like, dating is this big part of your life, like, wondering about relationships and if this is the right person. And, you know, so I think that's also, again, people outside looking in, that most of the time they go anywhere with somebody new on any activity, it's a date. Like, that's how it happened was they got passed out. So, yeah, to go and do something that's not a date with someone is maybe a little bit confusing. And if you're a climber, you can sometimes, I think, not always, but sometimes step back and go, okay, they're just climbing together. It's not a big deal. And then you see the person, you're like, oh, my God, they're super hot. I mean, for me personally, I know that some of the, the dudes who are climbing out of Nolly would love, you know, I mean, you know, they'd love to have sex with my wife and, and would. Um, but, you know, it'd happily destroy my beautiful marriage. Um, You're but, good friends, even. Yeah, even, yeah, even people who would, you know, my so-called friends. Um, uh, no, she's on her way, though. Um, she's hanging out with some dude climbing. But I'm sure nothing's going on. Um, but but seriously, I I just trust Nelly implicitly, um, you know, and I and I just know that she's obsessed with climbing and could care less about. Well, I don't know. Oh man, I'm getting confused. Right. Okay, I'm gonna actually fill on something you said, uh, Jan, that you were like, well, she could go ahead and climb with other women, uh, which brings us to another one. Um, on a previous listener mail, you had a lady write in frustration in frustrated with her very limited options for finding same-sex climbing partners. She was always climbing with boys, because that's who climbs, but as she was single and regularly running into trouble with the climbing partner's jealous GF and or the climbing partner making a move. Okay, I recently became rather empathetic to this girl's plight and have a follow-up for this topic. So obviously it's no secret that your least meagerly qualified single climbing chick you can get taken up some really cool routes you probably wouldn't have otherwise been invited on. On the last show, I joked about how I met my friend Rebecca, who was on the show, and we went climbing on something I would never have climbed with, with just some guy I met in the parking lot. So that's, that's pretty much true. I've enjoyed this plenty of times, and I'm not complaining. But I feel like this is mostly nice when you're learning to lead and go do these things yourself. But once you're comfortable enough leading and are looking for someone to just swing leads with, a partner, not a rope run. I think being single girl starts to backfire. Anyway, I'd like to know what I need to do to get people, dudes, to look at me as a potential climbing partner and not a potential lean-in victim. Is it how hard I climb, or do I have to be able to equalize anchors with a blindfold, maybe carry the rack and the rope? Seriously, do you think mine go about, Smith go about deals with this? She probably has, just has lots of good partners of either gender. So you set out once to define the perfect dude climber. Now tell me what the perfect climber chick is. Definitely just a partner, not a date chick. So two questions in there. A, back to this thing, maybe we can go beyond that. How do you make sure the dude knows that this is not a date? And B, how do you make yourself a sort of desirable partner for that kind of climbing, as well as finding uh, good female partners? Man, I don't know. I'm a little stuck on this one. I guess I've always been, I've been kind of blessed. Like I don't, I don't think my boyfriends have ever gotten jealous about me going and climbing with dudes, and I don't think I've ever had a hard time having a dude let me lead my pitches of a route. You're living in a dream bubble. Yeah, fairy. That's a yeah, fairy tale world. Yeah, I guess I live in a bubble. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to think about that one for a moment. 
I, I think it's it's hard and I can relate. I, I know early in my climbing career, I definitely benefited from following guys up things that I would have never gotten to, you know, get on. Um, but one of my strategies lately has been to find a girl that's really psyched, hopefully at the same ability level and try to push each other um, on things that we might want to do together. Um, and if I can't find a girl that is wanting to do that, that's at my ability level. I've also found that taking somebody out that hasn't done something before and kind of showing them the ropes um, has really helped me to push myself. So maybe she could find a girl that she likes and wants to hang out with and she could show her what to do and teach her something. Yeah, so mentor. Put yourself in a mentor, mentor yeah, position. Yeah. Not always thinking about, like, I want to go out and push myself. But when that, like, she says that thing about, like, making, doing an equalized and anchor blindfolded, that's how you learn to equalize an anchor blindfolded is that you're in charge and that person behind you isn't, isn't going to be able to make that anchor. And I've t- a lot of women have told me that, like, that was a big shift in their climbing career when they were like, I'm going to be the person in charge. Plus, you can, you know, you'd be surprised that, like, if you do find that woman who's not, or a climber, any girl or guy that's not, you know, that awesome but is eager, you go out with them a few times, they'll catch right up with you. Um, and all of a sudden, you'll, you will have an equal partner um, that you created, you know, that you, you put into your own little pool of people to go climb with if you like each other. Yeah, definitely. And it's always easier, you know, like I know with my boyfriend, he's much stronger than I am. And so it's much easier to be like, all right, you take this pitch, um, you do it, you know, and s- step out. So it's it's nice to be able to put yourself in that position where you're forced to take the lead. Yeah. I mean, it's, as far as, you know, this girl who's like, what do I have to do? How can I, you know, have people look at me as a climber, not like a, a potential hookup. Um, I mean, I think you just have to be the most badass climber that you can be. You have to be in it for the climbing and you have to realize yourself as a, as a, a leader and as a, someone who can walk up to a climb and, and, and get up it without, you know, a rope gun. So and at that point, you know, if you have your own personal goals and you're psyched on those goals, then most likely you're, you're going to kind of find people who are, who, who are there, you know, to help you, realize that goal and to climb with you not to um you know want to have sex with you and and also maybe just don't wear like booty shorts or whatever when you go climbing with them you know wear like a kind of modest you know um uh baggy uh climbing outfit yeah i just (laughs) see you like i just see you in your wife's drawer like drawers like like, no this is no 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 this is gone this is gone comes home with this huge there's a garbage, garbage bag full of burqa. Like, These are out. Exactly, I'm out. I'm all, I got you this this climbing burqa. Climb with whoever you want. Here's some really baggy sweats. You look really good in these. Oh well, no, you shouldn't put on any makeup or do your hair or shower. Well, that, that's an interesting an interesting sort of opposite of this is that we can we can walk on the right track here, you know, gender wise and. Okay, equal and everything else, and they're not climbing dates. But the truth is, is that you guys all told me beforehand, and we mentioned that everybody on this panel is either dating or married to a climber. Okay, uh, there's many discussions that can be had about non-climber significant other SO, as, as I like to say, or a climber SO. There's advantages in both. There's disadvantages. 
But the truth is, is most climbers that are super psyched on it, we actually do want to find a partner, an SO who climbs. And so while it's like, don't think everything, every time we go climbing is a date, a lot of times it actually ends up being like that because how do you find that climbing partner who's going to become your significant other? Well, you go climbing together. And so I think it it's easy to say, you know, every time you go in a climbing situation with a girl or a guy, it has to be not a date. But we all know that, like, a lot of them are actually dates or they pretty soon turn into dates. So is there a quick and easy way to draw that line? Or, I mean, is it... Do you have to be so bold as to, like you know, set that person down and we're going climbing, but this is what it really means. I mean, do people really do that? Is that really okay? Because the other thing is that a lot of times if it's not a date and maybe you have a significant other, but, you know, you want to maybe put this person in the back pocket. Like, I don't want to shut it down completely because I'm not that psyched on this guy that I'm with or this girl I'm with. But this guy does seem kind of cool. So I'm not going to shut him down completely, but let's walk that middle line. I mean, isn't that the reality of it a lot of times? It can be. This one time, actually, I was, you know, because, you know, being a Yosemite um, climber, you know, a, a female climber is a hot commodity. You know, I mean, there are just by the... <laughs> by the yeah, that, yeah, living in, living in, you know, in your car, you know, um, a girl that will talk to you is, you know, that's pretty exciting. And... Uh, <laughs> And, you know, and so I, obviously I was more excited, um, you know, for the date aspect of the climb than the climb aspect of the climb. And uh, and we got to the base and she just just right there at the base of the climb was like, look, you know, I'm never going to sleep with you. And uh, and I, I really wanted to just be like, oh, well, I don't want to climb with you then. Um, but, uh, you know, I just kind of dejectedly made my way up the, this multi-pitch climb with her, you know, knowing that I had no chance. It was pretty sad. Did you, did did you, you climb with her again? No, of course not. Do <laughs> you think you're what's wrong here? Yeah. No, if I really take a deep look inside my soul, I'm part of the problem. Well, I, I mean, every guy in this room who climbs a lot, uh, you know, we are the problem. Because... Like I said, the truth is, ladies, is you're right about the, your suspicion. If you're climbing with some dude and you start to think, like, uh, I think this guy's after me, he is. Like, you're not, you're not missing signals. And even if he's not, like, overtly, like, thinking to himself, like, I got to make the right move here, I got to make the right move. You know, it's back there, floating around, like, she's rad, she's tough, she's cool. Yeah, maybe, you know, and if it doesn't happen, you'll just move on to the next victim. And, and uh, I mean, right, I, you know, is there a guy going to make eye contact with me on this one? Like, this is the way it goes. Sorry, but, you know. I think, too, and I've talked about this before, like, climbing becomes this really stressful, very intimate operation at times, especially if you're adventuring together. You know, and any psychologist will tell you, like, that's, you know, fear and infatuation, they're like this this heady mix, they, they go together. So if you survive something in Eldo one afternoon together, you know, it's very likely that your brain's going to go mixed up and be just like, oh, she's so awesome. Or, man, he is amazing, you know. It just happens. So, I, And that's the funny thing is, like, like, I get emails too, and actually one of these is like, how do I find that awesome climber girl? You know, like, I want to get in my car and, like, meet the girl. Yeah, man, it's good luck. <laughs> it's, I mean, it is. It's hard to find, um, you know. Uh, I mean, there's. I mean, what percentage of climbers are women? 
don't know. It's probably getting close. It's, it's looking better and bolder yeah. at the climbing gym for sure, you know, <laughs> than when I started out. Um, when I started out, I mean, it was, you know, there's it was a male-dominated sport, you know. So um, just by its nature, they're, you know, women kind of were commoditized a bit. And, uh, you know, which is not necessarily a great thing, but it just was what it was. Are you digesting that? No, I'm waiting to see it. I mean, it's true. Um, I used to work at the Access Fund, and our Facebook demographics were such that we had about 25% females following us, and the rest were men. So I think it is pretty heavily dominated by men still. Um, so it makes it, it makes it tough. And I know, like... I've been single in the climbing community, um, and man, it's rough. You just get hit up from so many angles when you're a single female in the climbing community. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's, there's a lot, lot of that in the climbing guys. There's a lot of that philosophy of like, I don't know if I like hit on ten girls, one of them's probably gonna, you know, give me, you know, it's like a, an odds thing. Like, do fifteen, go to twenty. I don't know, one of them's gonna break. You know, that's one way to go about it for sure. You know, I think the whole problem is, like, with this climbing date thing, you know, sure, eventually a climbing trip might turn into a climbing date, but you've got to do something to differentiate yourself from all of the other, like, 20-something-year-old men who have, like, nice skinny boy abs and kind of climb hard. Like, there are a lot of you. <laughs> there have to be some other kind of common interest so maybe like figure out what those are and that's the day or get a really nice sprinter band yeah right that's the, the differentiator there are a lot of those too I know, that's that's crazy. Crazy. Good enough. It's, you gotta go to rv <laughs> totally um so along those lines here's another one um, i'm moving in a new area and i'm worried about finding new climbing partners who are reliable and have similar goals as me let alone people i can trust how do you go about meeting new partners in a new area without putting yourself out there and climbing with tons of goons before you meet solid partners? Um, I've always, always known my partners outside of climbing, and I met them through other friends. And this is actually from a woman, but I don't think we need to focus on, uh, on gender in this one. But what do you think you do to make not only or to find good partners, but also advertise yourself as a good partner? Um, what do you think you sort of want to project? And, and logistically, like, how do you find partners if you're, if you're walking into a new climbing community? I mean, that's a, that's a tricky one. I mean, it can be hard to kind of crack into that. You just have to dive into the, into the community and dive into the area, basically. Um, you know, I mean, if there's a, a, a local climbing gym, you need to go in there and, you know, get to know people. And you need to have like the uh, you know the awareness of of that person's you know expertise and energy and you know do you like them do you think they're cool or you know is this, is this the person who's getting after it who's putting up the new routes who's doing the cool stuff you want to do and you you know and then you try to uh, hang out with them and climb with them you know and hopefully it's just you have some sort of natural you know connection beyond the climbing because at some point you do actually get down from the climb and have to hang out with each other. Man, that's a rough one. Maybe, like, warm up easy and repel off the top of your route. But um, in all honesty, maybe you hang out with people in the gym and try to get the best read for them that you can. But it's tough. Like, at some point, you just kind of have to take that leap and hope that they have some idea what they're doing. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I moved to Vegas about two years ago, and I, I think the best thing that I did was just talk to people that I knew outside of the city and said, you know, who do you know that's that's there that is fun to climb with? Um, so maybe, you know, hitting people up from a different angle and figuring out, okay, you know, do you have friends in this city that I just moved to, and are they good climbing partners? Also, shout out for the bumblers, you know, I mean... <laughs> You know, you can just climb, go climbing, it's fun, you know, as long as they can, like, you know, not drop you on a greedy or whatever, you know, as long as they can belay. Yeah, but isn't, that, know, isn't then, that an issue? I mean, that is an issue, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, a general level of competence, but I mean, you know, it, it, just go climbing. It, it's fun. You don't have to go find the, the raddest dude or girl up the crag to climb with. Right. You know? Just... Go be part of the community and have fun climbing. Well, the one thing, too, that I've, I've, I've said before, and, and I don't know if this is, uh, you know, sounds elitist, but I've never worried about that. I mean, the whole show is about that, really. Um, but I've always said, like, if I go up to a cliff, and I've been climbing a long time, um, you know, there, there's, like, if it's vibe or if it's what the person is doing, or sometimes, I mean, as shallow as it sounds, it's, like, what they're carrying. And I can a lot of times, like, get a feel for who's at least experienced and who's not experienced. Uh, um, Lisa asked if we were going to talk about people, um, you know, sport climbing with, like, their ATC and all their Goomba on their, on their harness. Um, honestly, like, I know it's not that big a deal. It's a few ounces, blah, 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 but that's a, I'm, I'm always like, okay. That's I mean, a red flag. Yeah, it's a red flag. I mean, you put it in the mix. You don't just say, hey, I'm never climbing with that guy or that girl. But, you know, it's just another piece of evidence like, okay, experience level. Now, does it matter how hard they climb? No. What you're worried about is like, okay, do they know what they're doing? Are they going to drop me? Do they know, like, the basics about coming down off the climb? And isn't that what this person is, like, worried about is how do I know uh, who the safe person is? Because one of the things I'll say is that the beginners, like true beginners, always are nervous. They're asking questions. Because they know they don't know anything. And it's like this period after that, that I find, especially with men, is the dangerous zone. We're like, okay, I got this down. And they suddenly become almost more or overconfident in their abilities. I mean, it's like this, I'm sure it's this territorial guy thing. To sort of pretend you know more or are better or more experienced than you really are. And those people are the scary ones. Because that's, if you look at accidents, like the accident reports, it really is in that zone where so many of those accidents happen. The beginner's like, I don't, I don't know, someone show me how to do this. It's the next person that's just like, I got this. You know, I got this. So how do you wade through those guys and or girls? Uh, I mean, is there anything to like look for? And how do you project yourself as, I'm the good one. I know what I'm doing. Don't wear an ATC on your harness when you're sport climbing. Yeah, can we have a quick intervention? Can I actually just speak directly to all the listeners out there and just tell you that, you know, if you have your chalk bag on a carabiner clipped to the back of your harness that you're doing it wrong, uh, please take that carabiner and just throw it into the woods or put it on a quick draw or something. And also, um, if you're sport climbing, you should not have a daisy chain on your harness. And if you're going up a single pitch climb and you're going to be lowering off, you do not need to have your uh, ATC with you. So... Just uh, reaching out to all of you, look less like a bumbler, and, and follow those three easy tips. Sorry, I, dig I digress. 
that, that's actually a really good one, and, and uh, I think we'll leave this behind and seg into a uh, into a, a very important some more safety stuff. Now, of course, this is a podcast, and um, our advice is not binding in any way. My lawyer, is she still here? <laughs> and she's back there. So climbing is inherently dangerous activity. Should you take anyone on this panel's advice and something happened to you, uh, we are not responsible. Okay? I've never actually said that on the show, and I've always wondered, do I need to be worried about those sorts of things? Um, I don't know. Baby? Okay, good. That's also the mother of my child. It's very handy. So now that Cedar's here handing out like advice, he's all, I'm getting concerned. Excited. <laughs> okay, Jen, when you get to the top of a sport climb and you want to come down, what do you do? Okay, so I was always taught growing up, like it was hammered into me that if you're the last person in your party up a sport climb, you repel off of it. That's the polite thing to do. I don't know. It seems area to area now. I still repel if it feels practical to do so. Like if the chains are set up so that it's easy to clip myself in direct. Um, if it's not, if they're quick links, if they're hooks, then I lower off of it. And, and well, could you like what kind of signals do you use? What do you say when you get there? Uh, at what point when I get there and clip in? Yeah. Off belay. You say so, off belay. If, if I'm going gonna, to repel. If you're going to repel. If, if I'm not going to repel, lower? then then I just say slack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, good. Am I doing it right? I don't know. I, I just want to get rid of this off Do I get my check mark of approval? Okay. I want to get rid of this off belay. But if you're actually off belay, yeah, maybe you say off belay. Yeah. yeah. I lower. Pretty much always. <laughs> um, I I don't think it's practical to repel off of single, single pitch sport climbs. Um Lowering is way safer than repelling. Um, the incident um, of accidents in repelling is much, much higher. It doesn't put that much more wear on the anchors to just go ahead and lower off, and it takes a lot less time. So I always say I'm indirect and slack. I like to just down jump, like your <laughs> <laughs> quick draw by quick draw. Right. And the last quick draws, you know, you just smack into the ground, high five your Blair, and then you go home for a beer. All right. Yeah. More that's, advice. That's, that's actually the, the liability advice that I'm talking about right there. No, this, every this is hard comedy. <laughs> every expert um, and climber that I know of uh, at any sport climbing area or even in a place like Indian Creek where it's single pitch is lowering off the climb. Um, it's, it's quicker, it is probably safer, it's more efficient, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, lowering is kind of pretty pretty commonly practiced thing in places like Rifle or Indian Creek or other places that we, we climb around here. I need to interrupt here. Sorry, Cedar. Cedar kind of casually said that Indian Creek is a place to lower off the anchors, and I'd have to take a little bit of exception with that because I've heard of too many stories of people getting lowered off the end of their ropes. It is a place where the decision to repel versus being lowered is a careful one. There are very, very many routes down there in Indian Creek that are just slightly longer than your 60 meter will take you or even your 70 meters. So you have to be very, very careful down there. And the key to this whole lowering off thing is without a doubt, making sure you have a knot in the end of the rope. That can be a serious knot, like a fisherman's or something like that. But honestly, if it's just tied to your rope bag with an overhand, that'll probably stop you. 
from zipping it through your grigri, especially when it picks up the whole rope bag. But yeah, when it comes to lowering off anchors, we're really talking about sport climbing. Sport climbs are usually often, especially in the United States, made to be lowered off of back to the ground. And the anchors are made to take it. And that's really the basis of this discussion. Trad climbing, even single pitch routes, beware. Make those decisions carefully. And whether you're sport climbing or anything else, if your partner's not tied to that end of the rope like you would be in a multi-pitch situation, then make sure you put a knot in there and make sure it's in there before you leave the ground. Just one more knot to check. All right, back to the show. When did this change? Like, when did I become wrong about this? Anyone? Well, you're not wrong about it. Early 80s. It's kind of... <laughs> it, it is... I brought it up a couple times because there was a post uh, um, a while back that, that talked about always repel, if, if, if possible, was, was the line. And that got my dander up a little bit. And then someone actually... I got a list from mail about uh, having taken an AMGA course, and he was taught always repel. Okay, and the thing that's sketchy about that, and it's not that anybody's wrong, but if you try to repel a sport route and clean it, and it's even slightly overhanging, you are in serious trouble. And I've been to plenty of crags where somebody did that. And now they're out there holding out one hand, spinning around, trying to reach the quick draws, having their friend pull them in from the bottom. Have you guys seen this? Because like, if you pull it in, it'll sort of get them into the climb. And that's the thing, is to tell someone, again, that's a, a either beginner or intermediate climber, which is where this advice is aimed, to always repel is just going to get them to that situation to where, like, all of a sudden, it's not time to repel. There's plenty of places that you can repel, and the area maybe calls for it, uh, or that's the epic. But if it's not vertical, you are in serious trouble. It's such a mess. Yeah. And so... Your experience, so you look down at the climb and you're like, okay, I can do this. I can repel this thing. It's going to be easier. It's going to be more convenient. I've really worked my signals out, so it's good to go. But to tell sort of a beginner, intermediate climber, always repel is just seriously wrong. Because it's not, anytime you say always in climbing, you're pretty much going to cause some sort of problem. But, I mean, that's when the legalities come in. Yeah, right. <laughs> Okay. Just look around at all, you know. Just look around at the expert climbers, you know, and what they're doing, you know, and, and take take some hints from that, you know. And you're just going to see that they're lowering on any single pitch climb, pretty much across the board. Right. And the, well, the thing is, I'm going to say is that the big question is about wearing the anchors. That's what always comes in. And we're going to wear out these anchors, and that is a little bit of an old idea because sport climbing anchors are now. More and more as they're being replaced or being put in new, they're, they're designed for this. Okay, They are usually stainless steel or they have a replaceable end. Where, and then a lot of sport climbing areas, Rifle, Red Rocks, all these places have a regime in where people are replacing anchors. Okay, And be, the only thing I'd say on that is that if you are going to run top rope laps, then yeah, put your beaners on there. Wear out your quick draws. But the last person can go ahead and lower and you know, as someone who helps out in rifle life, we don't mind. We will we will replace those anchors. And then um, another person wanted to me to mention that don't take lowering beaners. That's also a beginner thing to go up to the climb, 
with a couple chains on it and some beaners, and you're like, oh sweet, I'll take these beaners that have these huge grooves in them for some reason, and I'll I'll throw my I'll throw my uh, rope through the chain and I get two free beaners. Like awesome. Like that's the worst. Do not do that. But if you see a bunch of draws in some climb, they're definitely booty, and you can just take them off. Yeah, if, if there's, there's draws hanging, they're totally free. <laughs> no, that's so much work in their project. Even if you need a wrench to get them off, they're totally free. <laughs> okay, one other thing I want to mention with this, because this is like the scariest, worst accident in the world, is the climb the sport climb, leader thinks they're going to be lowered, the layer takes them off, or lead, Belair thinks they're repelling, takes them off Belair, they lean back. The greatest, probably, Norman Cast episode was with uh, Craig DiMartino. This is what happened to him. It happens, unfortunately, a couple times a year at least. Lynn Hill had a, an accident like that, and she fell 80 feet and landed in a tree, and because she's Lynn Hill, was fine. Because she's Lynn Hill, yeah, but none of us are Lynn Hill. So, it's just this important thing. The reason I ask you, like, what do you say when you get up there is that Again, this mistake that people make is that you go up there and when you clip to the anchor, you say, I'm off belay, even though what you mean is I'm going to untie and tie through the anchor. You are not off belay. Please, anyone listening, stop saying that if you are intending to be lowered because your belayer will take you off belay if they know what they're doing. Although if they know what they're doing, they're going to be like, dude, you're not off belay. I'm going to keep you on. But... It happens, and it's tragic, and it's the worst thing. Like, you, you really, it's very hard to get hurt sport climbing other than whacking your ankle or whatever, but that's one way that is just so bad. So I'm with the guy, the people who don't say anything or just say slack. I don't even say I'm at the anchor or I'm clipped in or blah, blah, blah. Just say slack or even shut up and pull the rope because your belayer, when they feel the rope pull, they give you slack. And you can just pull a bunch out. And start your business without saying a word, actually, until it's time to lower, and then you take. So, anyway, I just wanted to, I, it's like the, I mentioned it on the show a lot, because it's just, I mean, it's heartbreaking when it happens. It's so easy to have a conversation with your belayer before you leave the ground, too. Yeah, totally, exactly. And, you know, going back to that question that started this, is, is if you are looking for climbing partners, you know, this feeling out of how good they are, you don't have to. You can just ask them straight out or tell them what you want when it comes to being lowered or when it comes to climbing together. Just have the conversation. And, again, I think it's this man thing worse than, than others is that, you know, we, we sort of don't want to, like, question each other's ability by just flat out asking somebody, like, so, what have you climbed? So, what singles do you use? So... You know what I mean, guys? Like we have it, we sort of circle around each other with our words to try to get a just ask, right? If they're such a jerk that that pisses them off, then you just learn something really important about your partnership with that guy. Giant douche. <laughs> I don't know that I have anything to add. All right. Likewise. Okay. Cool. Well, that's it. We're gonna roll out of the uh, the enormous cast. I want to thank my guests, Jen, Lisa. <laughs> Cedar, thanks for coming, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed yourselves. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Want a beer? You gonna call room service? 
We got beer. You hold beer up this rock. You're insane. I may be insane, but I'm not stupid. I didn't carry it. You did. It's in your pack. <laughs> 